Welcome to Spiritual Coach. I'm the host with the most repping the Holy Ghost, Brandon Tribble. I appreciate you stopping by. Now let's get to work on them spiritual muscles. Hello and welcome back to Spiritual Coach. Today we're talking about being coachable. <laughs> Have you ever been involved in a team sport that had a coach? Sometimes you had to do things the coach said and you did not like it. But you did it anyway to make the team better and to make yourself better. Sometimes you don't like how the coach is always on your case or making you do hard things. But in the long run, when you get older, you realize those things were necessary for your growth and the overall growth of the team. So essentially, a coach's job is necessary. Can you imagine teams with no coaches and every player just does whatever he wants to do and there's no real leadership, no real guidance, there's no coaching, you just kind of figure it out as you go. Uh, what a crazy scenario that would be, wouldn't it? Well, you can't even imagine seeing professional sports teams with no coach. Matter of fact, they have several coaches. I think about football just for an example. Uh, a football team could have anywhere up to like nine or ten coaches. That must mean that uh, coaching is pretty important. If they've got to have up to ten coaches on each team, and then they have a head coach. you got to have a head coach, you know, somebody to corral all the other coaches together, get on the same page. Hey, this is the game plan. This is how we're going to teach our guys. This is how we're going to coach our guys. And then the team can be successful. But it'd just be utter chaos if every player just ran around, and did their own thing, came up with their own plays, and, and uh, everybody was doing their own thing. God is not a God of chaos. So He instructs us in the Word to have pastors, and in a sense, uses those pastors as coaches to help coach God's team into the spiritual war that we are in. So let's look at the pastor's role. It is to teach, to coach, and in coaching sometimes you have to be hard or harsh to bring out the best in your players. In the army, a drill sergeant has to bring out the best in the soldiers because it is literally life or death. And a lot of times God relates to uh, us being in spiritual war and spiritual warfare and he uses these terms. So it doesn't, it isn't a far stretch to think that a pastor is literally coaching and leading uh, other Christians in that same regard in the spiritual war. But how much more should a pastor at times be coaching? Of course, there it's always with the understanding of bettering somebody. So if a pastor's going to coach somebody, he's trying to do it to better you. But tough love is a very real thing, and sometimes people don't need to be coddled in their sin. Jesus wasn't always meek and mild, and I don't think he expects pastors to be either. I think it's both. Times of great gentleness and grace, but also times of strictness and sternness to correct and to rebuke and to sharpen you, to make you better. So, as people who go to a church and you decide, hey, this is going to be my church home, you don't need to be a stubborn mule. Sometimes people can be so stubborn and buck authority every time the pastor wants to try and do something or say something, they're just against him. 
And, and they have the mentality of, I don't want somebody telling me what to do. And essentially what it is is they don't want any accountability. They don't want to be held accountable for any sinful action that they may have. They don't want any rebuke, no correction. And they can't come in line with leadership and take a following role. Some people want to just be the leader. They don't want to be a follower. They don't want to have to listen to somebody else tell them what to do. They want to be a leader, or at least be their own leader. They don't want to have somebody over them or try and tell them what to do. But some people neglect that accountability or correction from leadership that God has placed in their life. God did it for a reason. Godly leaders God appoints to help shepherd the flock. See, God appoints certain pastors to help lead the flock and shepherd them in the right ways. Of course, God is going to do this as well, but he also uses a physical representative to do this, that being the pastor. I think about many of the letters that Paul wrote to the churches, and he wrote them as letters that later became the Bible we have today, were things of him correcting and rebuking folks and asking them to do certain things or refrain from doing other things. What if those people collectively said, I don't care about your authority. I only accept Jesus' authority. How prideful is it to not acknowledge godly leaders in our lives that God is using? Maybe we've even acknowledged it from our own lips. Yes, I see God moving here. I see the Spirit. Uh, I even think that everybody needs something like this in their life. And then when it comes around to you being corrected, oh, this is not the Spirit you immediately uh, jump ship and change your mind when it's uh, the light is pointed at your darkness. You immediately say, well, this is not of God. And that's usually people who are trying to justify some type of sin that is in their life. But look at this scripture, Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. That's how we are to be to one another to sharpen each other, to make each other better. There is a mutual benefit in the rubbing of two iron blades together. The edges become sharper, making the knives more efficient in their task to cut and slice. We sharpen each other in various ways, through the sharing of our testimonies, sharing of our walk with God, through the scriptures, and then holding each other accountable, having that godly rebuke and correction when we get out of line. Listen to what Jesus instructed Peter in John 21, 15 through 17. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Sometimes shepherds that God appoints has to tend to the sheep and that means corral them at times goad them in the right direction help them see the right path as we see in this scripture Jesus says three different things 
feed my lambs. Lambs would be an equivalent to the little ones, the younglings in your church. Make sure they're getting the word. Then he goes on to say, tend my sheep. But he also says the third time, feed my sheep. So is tending and feeding two different things? Yes, they are. Tending is basically making sure that the sheep are not running off and getting into briars and, and, and getting eaten by wolves and, and getting lost. Tending is making them stay with the herd, making sure they're not leaving the righteous path and going off and doing things that can get them into trouble or hurt them. The shepherd is the one who is supposed to do this. And God instructs Simon to be that kind of shepherd to his sheep, is tend to them, make sure they're, they're, they're doing what's right. And then, he, of course, he does say for him to feed them as well, which is give them the word. So you're making sure you're covering all your bases there. Give them the word, give them the true word of God, but also help make them stay in line with that word. Make them stay uh, close to home and with the other flock and, and not get into trouble and do things that can hurt you. Now let's look what Peter later wrote about being shepherds. 1 Peter 2, 25. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So of course Jesus Christ is the chief shepherd and he is the overseer of our souls. And, and a lot of times people, as he equates, are like sheep who go astray and do their own thing. But God had instructed Peter to be a shepherd, so he knows about overseeing certain people's souls. Anybody that is entrusted into your care, pastor, or shepherd, or overseer, or elder, or whatever term you go by, you are called to make sure that they are doing what's right. That is your responsibility. Look at this next scripture, 1 Peter 5, 1 and 2. The elders or pastors who are among you I exhort. I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. So. He is saying, you pastors out there, you need to shepherd the flock of God. You need to serve as overseers. Make sure that whatever they're doing, you're overseeing it. Make sure if they're getting out of line, you're, hey, you, you try to corral them back into the fold. Hey, you're getting out of line here. Get back in line with what the Bible says, and you're constantly steering them in that direction. Okay, look, you're, you're, you're starting to sin. I'm noticing this. You're messing up. And then you, as the individual, you be coachable. You listen to that. Even if you don't agree at first, you listen. Okay, well, is what they're saying true? Okay, am I doing something that is sinful? Yes, they've given me scripture, and I see that for myself. So I'm the one that's wrong, and I'm going to get in line with truth. I'm going to get in line with the Bible and what God says in the Word, and I'm going to obey this truth. And I'm going to do what's right. Let's look at this next scripture. 1 Timothy 5, 17 and 20. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. And 
then verse 20 says, Those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all that the rest also may fear. So, we're supposed to respect our pastors and accept any kind of rebuke that they may have because, hey, they just might rebuke us in the presence of everybody. We don't want that. But we need to listen to what they have to say, respect them and their opinions, uh, especially as it pertains to the Word of God. Amen. Romans 13, 1-7 Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. That includes even in the house of God, folks, even in our churches. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For the rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for your conscience sake. That means you must fall into submission to authority and godly authority and listen to what they have to say. And usually, if you're doing everything that's right to begin with, you're gonna be praised for it. But if you're getting out of line, obviously you're going to get rebuked or corrected at least if you're going to a godly church and the pastor really loves you and cares about you he's going to tell you what you're doing is wrong but if you do what's right you don't have to worry about it so how about you just get it right to begin with amen <laughs> hebrews 13 7 remember those who rule over you who have spoken the word of god to you whose faith follow considering the outcome of their conduct so if your pastor is a godly man and he's trying to live a godly life and you notice this and he's speaking the word to you and he's trying to rule in the church in a godly manner to the best of his ability, listen to what they have to say. Remember what they're having to say. Listen to the, to, to the truth that is coming out of their mouth and don't try and buck that. Don't try to come against it. If they're using scripture and you can see, okay, well, this is true, don't try to justify your sin. No, give up the sin. Be coachable. Here's another one, Hebrews 13, 17. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Now, we don't like hearing these words like obey and those who rule over you and be submissive to them. We don't like hearing those words, especially men. We, we feel like, hey, I'm a man of my own uh, soul and I'm going to do whatever I want to do, whatever I choose, and whoever tells me what to do, forget them. But God tells us to be submissive. Obey even. Obey those who are ruling over you. Like is, is, is the coach, essentially, of the team. Listen to what they say and be submissive to it. Quit trying to fight them on everything. You, you may disagree, but oh well. You know, try, if, as long as it, they're not telling you to sin, you know, be submissive to it. 
because they're watching out for your soul. They're their shepherd trying to keep you as a uh, sheep corralled and tended to so, those, so that the wolves, or which would be equated to like uh, the demons, don't get their teeth sunk in you. <laughs> they're not trying to tear you apart and tear you asunder. He says, let, let those pastors do that with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. So don't, make, don't give them a hard time. Don't make their job so hard. Let them do it with joy that they're thankful that you're coming to their church. And, and that you're, you're always trying, hey man, I want to help, you know, I want to do this. Hey, you're, you're trying to get me to do this and, and help with the ministry? Yeah, man, I'm on board. Or, or whatever it is, or oh yeah, you, you saw that I was uh, sinning. You know, uh, I guess I guess you're right, man. Thank you for pointing that out to me, and uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate you looking out for me. Appreciate you uh, removing that splinter from me, or removing the plank, whatever it may be. And uh, I appreciate you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I've rarely come across people who act that way whenever there's a rebuke and correction involved. But it has happened a few times. And when it does, what a joy. Talk about a joy, man. You know, because sometimes, me being a pastor, I, I feel nervous about trying to correct people. I feel like, man, I just don't even want to say anything. God, you just correct everybody. <laughs> I don't want this part of the job. But I would be falling down on my duties if I do not. If I'm not a watchman on the wall warning folks of the pending disaster of the sin... Uh, the sin that they're in, doing in their life, that will the, the pain that will, that will cause or the death that will come from that, if I'm not warning folks of that, their blood will be on my hands. And I can't do that because I'm held to a higher standard. I'm held to uh, a, a bigger accountability for those folks, so I have to do it. But here's one surefire way to be coachable. It's don't look at every correction or rebuke as an attack. Don't look at it as if someone's being mean to you, trying to cut you. There have been times in my life where any and every form of criticism was met with me fighting back against it. But thankfully, as time has gone on and God has helped me to get wiser and wiser, God has helped me to learn the value of just listening and then taking that and meditating on it, praying on it, searching to see if what is being spoken is true and sometimes it is and then i can learn from that and grow and sometimes it isn't but if you don't give place for it how can you ever learn and more importantly how can you ever truly grow even still how prideful to think that you have all the answers and nobody can teach you or coach you in anything do you know that i accept rebuke from even my kids we have to humble ourselves to accepting truth from any source. But if you cannot accept rebuke from God, you will accept rebuke from no one. What a dangerous precedent one sets when you go that route. When you look at the Word of God and you don't even accept His rebuke there, or maybe even the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and you just keep sinning and sinning and searing that conscience, well, obviously you won't accept rebuke from anyone because you think you got it all figured out and you think you are the God of your own universe. But that's not the case. God will punish those who are unruly. So listen to the pastors who are trying to help you and steer you in the right direction. 
listen to these scriptures and, and the precedent that God has set in the word that we are to accept ex exhortation, rebuke, and correction. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. So he's exhorting them to warn those who are unruly. Warn them. Hey, they're sinning, man. you got to point that out to them. Hey, look, brother, you're not noticing this, but this is a sinful thing you're doing. You need to quit. And then 2 Timothy 4.2 Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. He's telling us to do this. Hey, look, you need to convince these folks. You need to rebuke them, exhort them, teach them, tell them what's right, tell them what's wrong, tell them to quit doing it if they're doing something wrong. Tell them what to do that's right. And then hopefully, if you're coachable, if you're teachable, you'll listen. <laughs> 2 Timothy 3.16, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Listen to your pastors who are trying to instruct you in righteousness. Listen to their correction. Listen to their reproof, their rebuke, their exhortations. Because they're using the Word of God. Hopefully the godly pastors will be. And then you can say, yeah, I agree. That's what God's Word says and that's what I'm going to do. But folks, we have got to be able to be discipled by pastors. If you don't think you can learn under or be taught by your pastor, you need to find one you can one of the single most lacking things in the American Christian church is discipleship. People don't even know you need to be discipled. Some may not even know what it really means. So let's talk about that. Let's go ahead and address it now. Basically, a disciple is like an apprentice under somebody. So what's the definition of apprentice? A person who works for another in order to learn a trade, a learner, a novice. One is learning by practical experience under skilled workers, a trade, an art, or a calling. So let's look at the definition of discipleship. One who accepts and assists in spreading the doctrines of another, such as a convinced adherent of a school or individual. One who gives full loyalty and support to another. Follower may apply to people who attach themselves either to the person or beliefs of another close and persistent attachment so obviously you're not the disciple of the pastor you're the disciple of Jesus nevertheless you can be discipled by the pastor so let's look at a Greek word for disciple which means a learner a pupil an adherent who accepts the instruction given to him and makes it his rule or conduct to learn by putting what one learns into experience so to truly be a disciple, you need to be able to take what you're learning and apply that to your life. You take that instruction and you make it your rule. You make it your conduct or your way of being, okay? But you have to be able to be a learner. You have to be able to be a pupil and be able to be teachable and coachable. You have to be pliable and can't think you know it all and you're not going to listen to nobody else. I don't care what anybody else has to say. I got it all figured out. You can't be that way. At least not in God's church. If you want to go sit at your house and act that way, you can. But know that you're a lost sheep. Okay? <laughs> but to be a good student of the Word, we must have a teacher. Our ultimate teacher is, of course, Jesus. 
but oftentimes he uses pastors and teachers to teach through. So at some point in time, we all have to align ourselves with the teachers and pastors God has placed in our lives to learn under and learn from, but never to be to the place where you are too good to learn from someone else. We can always learn, even from kids. But a true teacher or pastor or coach is not trying to be a boss, he is trying to be a leader. There is a difference. At the end of the day, a teacher or a coach just wants to see the players and the team succeed. He is looking out for the best interests even when they can't see it. He is there cheering you on to victory. That's what a pastor is there for. He's trying to teach you. He's trying to coach you. And hopefully you can be teachable and coachable and that you can learn from him and learn to do what's right because it will be beneficial for you. It will be better for you and you will be able to grow and you can go on to victory. Amen. I pray that you got something good from this truth. I pray something you got something from this teaching. Hopefully you've been teachable today. You've been coachable. You've been able to get something out of here and say, man, you know what? I'm going to start listening. I'm going to start accepting rebuke and correction. And then you will see some growth take place in your life. Thank y'all. Stay tuned in the next one. See you later. God bless.